Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 28th of November, 2022, the 4th of Kislev 5783, coming to you this morning from just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. The throat's a little scratchy this morning, I will admit, and hopefully we'll be able to get through today's show, today's podcast, but I apologize if the sound is just a little bit off, a little bit of a sore throat. Maybe it was from dancing and partying at a wedding last night just outside of the city of Jerusalem. Perhaps it was that. But we will move forward here. Unfortunately, uh, reported by JNS, um, a second Israeli died as a result of Wednesday's twin terror bombings in Jerusalem carried out by some jihadist, terrorist, murderist organization. Uh, 50-year-old Tadasa Tashume Ben Mada, who immigrated from Ethiopia more than two decades ago and was the father of two children, uh, succumbed to his wounds on Saturday. Uh, the trauma and intensive care teams at Shari Tzedek Hospital fought for his life. Unfortunately, his injuries were critical, according to a statement from the hospital. Uh, if, you, if you recall, um, Israeli-Canadian Aryeh uh, Sheshopek, 16 years old, was also killed and more than 20 others wounded in the twin explosions at a bus stop this past Wednesday morning. Uh, may God avenge the blood of those who were murdered in this attack, and please God, those who were injured, uh, may they have a speedy recovery. If you didn't hear the news, and this is the first time you're hearing it, I wouldn't be surprised that you didn't hear about the bombing, because when Israelis are targeted, it is not front page in the mainstream media. But what you had was an explosion around the entrance to Jerusalem, our capital city, just after 7 a.m. last Wednesday. A second bomb went off in the Ramot area, the Ramot neighborhood of Jerusalem, 30 minutes later. And uh, in that second bombing, three people were wounded lightly, but the first one was the big explosion in which two Israelis were murdered. Authorities believe the blasts were carried out remotely by detonated bombs which were packed with nails and ball bearings and other sorts of shrapnel so that they will cause as much damage as possible, essentially tearing, sorry to be graphic, but tearing through the skin. That's what these bombs do. Police describe the explosives as high quality, suggested an organized terror cell planned and carried out the attack. And I have no doubt that Israel will get get their hands on the terrorists but very troubling, very disturbing, bringing back the memories of the Oslo War of 2000, where we saw on a daily basis for several years, on a nearly daily basis, we saw bombs going off in buses and in cafes. So please God, that is not the the trend. I mean, it's bad enough already with the shooting attacks and the rock attacks and the firebomb attacks and everything else that's going on uh, throughout Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and other parts of the country. But please, God, we will not see more of these, uh, more of these bombs. Condolences, of course, to the families and to all of Israel. The entire nation of Israel mourns 
when things like this like this happen. Uh, JNS also reporting here. This was a major story this week. Um, the body of a young Israeli man, a Druze, a Druze Israeli citizen, was snatched from a hospital in Jenin by Arab terrorist gunmen on Tuesday. And just to give you background on the story, 17-year-old Tiran Farrow, a member of Israel's Druze community, he entered Jenin together with a friend to get his car repaired. And the two were injured in a car accident. And Farrow, for some reason, I don't understand exactly why, perhaps it was there was no other choice, he was hospitalized in Jenin. Again, this is an Israeli citizen of Druze origin. He underwent surgery in the hospital. And according to reports, while he was on life support, terrorist gunmen heard that there was an Israeli hospitalized in Jenin and went in and took his body, took him off life support, essentially killing him, murdering him, and taking his body. The goal, is, uh, the goal was to hold his body as ransom, demanding that Israel release the bodies of, of terrorists, perhaps release prisoners as well. But the scenes are, are unreal, like out of a, a horror film, out of a movie, where you see these gunmen running around and they take his body. This was actually in front of his family's eyes and they couldn't do anything because these are armed gunmen, armed with automatic or semi-automatic weapons. They stole his body. And at the end of the day, I mean, as terrible as it is that he, that he was... He was killed. He was murdered by these members of the Palestinian Authority or residents of the Palestinian Authority, whichever terror organization that he belonged to. Eventually, a day later, his body was returned to him, was returned to the family, rather. Okay. And there are different incident, uh, uh, different rather versions of events. Some saying that he was alive when he was taken. Others say he was already dead. Either way, they stole his body. Uh, um, according to the official IDF version, how was he released? The IDF says there was coordination between itself and the Palestinian Authority, along with international negotiators. But here is what I think really happened and what played the biggest role in getting him released. So Times of Israel reported, anger over the snatching among Druze Israelis intensified Wednesday night. This was, again, this was before he was released with thousands attending a protest march and blocking off major highway, a major highway in northern Israel. More than, more than one member of the community cited by the Walla News site said that if Pharaoh's body was not returned soon, they may attempt to enter Janin and retrieve him themselves. And Channel 12 posted a video of five masked men, Druze, holding rifles, threatening to go into Janine to retrieve the body if he was not returned by Thursday morning. Videos posted online showed hundreds marching through the community of Daliat al-Karmel, holding a Druze flag and chanting. Other posts showed demonstrators carrying a photo of Pharaoh and his image displayed on a digital billboard in the center of town. So what is the bottom line here? And this is why I believe that they were able to get back his body. Unfortunately, he, he was killed, he was murdered. The Druze said to the Palestinian Authority, to those terrorists and to the PA, if you don't give him back, 
we are going to come to Janine. We're going to come and get him. And they filmed this video holding guns. In other words, if you don't release the body, there will be blood. And that is what I believe led to his release. This is the Middle East, folks. You show strength, you get what you want. You show weakness, you get trampled on. I said on Facebook, by the way, after this incident, we need a Druze minister of defense. Because they directly threatened the terrorists. They threatened the PA, give us our son or else. And within a few hours, they got his body back. Now, my question is this. Why doesn't Israel say to Hamas, if you don't give us the two captured Israelis, if you're unaware, two Israelis are being held as captives by Hamas, along with the bodies of IDF soldiers Hadar Golden and Oron Shaul, who were killed during a ceasefire in 2014 during Israel's operation in Gaza. If you don't give us back what we want, our two people, our two citizens, and the bodies of our soldiers, Hamas, you will be under bombardment, bombardment 24-7. If they feel threatened, maybe they will give back the bodies and release the prisoners. But no, instead, for years now, this is already eight years, for years and years, the Golden and Shaul families and the families of the captured Israelis are forced to wait and suffer. And that's not the right mentality. The Druze get it, but it seems that the Jews don't get it. And perhaps maybe the incoming, incoming new Israeli government will get it. But within 24 hours, the body was released. You can, of course, argue, well, that was in Yudava Shamron. And in this case, you're talking about Hamas and Gaza. But I don't buy that. If you show force, if you say to the leaders of Hamas, you will not sleep one night. Gaza will not sleep one night. I don't care if you call it collective punishment. I don't care what you call it. You're illegally, this is an international war crime. You're holding the bodies of IDF soldiers who were captured during a ceasefire and you are holding people. And nobody says a word. There are no emergency United Nations sessions over these two Israelis being held by Hamas. Nobody says anything. It's been years. Nobody does anything. But the Druze get it. The Druze sent the message, and Israel should have a long time ago sent the message, you cannot get away with this behavior. And maybe we'll learn something. Maybe the next government will do something. And I'm not talking about do something in the form of concessions or giving, uh, putting terrorists back on the street. I'm talking about force. I'm talking about ultimatums. The Druze gave an ultimatum, and we should give an ultimatum. Give back our soldiers or else. Give back our citizens or else. Bottom line. And it's been eight long years, and I, I cannot imagine what the... And I, I've interviewed on this program. I've interviewed members of the Golden Family and just cannot imagine what the, the pain that they are going through. Because we are not strong enough. We are strong enough, but we are not showing the strength in order to get back our people from Gaza. So I mentioned, let's see what the next government is going to do. Also, an article from JNS reported yesterday. As Prime Minister-elect Benjamin Netanyahu was forming his governing coalition, the Likud party agreed to the positions in the government that would be assumed by members of the Otsma Yehudit party, and its leader, Itamar Ben-Gvir. The two parties agreed earlier on Friday that Ben-Gvir will be appointed to a newly created position called National Security Minister, 
which will be an expanded public security minister role with oversight over the national police and border police in Judea and Samaria. Ben Gvir said that the deal, which is not yet the full coalition deal, is nevertheless a big step forward, rather a big step toward signing a full coalition agreement and establishing a full right-wing government. So let's see what happens there. Um, of course, Ben Gvir, who demonized by many camps, including the uh, Union and Reform Judaism movement in the U.S. with President Rick Jacobs, said that appointing Ben, appointing ben Gvir to a public security role is like appointing David Duke of the KKK as attorney general. So that's how some Jews in America feel. Maybe some Israelis here in Israel have had enough of people being blown up in the streets. Maybe we've had enough of the shooting and the firebombs and the rock attacks. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to agree with everything that Ben Gvir is or Ben Gvir stands for. But maybe we've had enough and maybe the Israeli voters have had enough. And that's why we are on the verge of a right-wing government. We've had enough. We've had enough of the terrorism. We've had enough of taking this. It's been so many years. Okay? And again, I know terrorism has been around for 100 years. Uh, Arab terrorism here in this country, in this land, I should say. Long before the establishment of the State of Israel. Whether it's 1929, 1937, or any of the other dates in which these attacks, horrible, murderous attacks, took place against Jews because they are Jews living in this part of the world. And that's the goal. They don't want Jews living in this part of the world. But, you know, the quietest period, actually, in this country's history, if I'm not mistaken, was in terms of terrorism, was between 2016 and 2020, when we had strong leadership in Israel and in the U.S. That's when things were quiet. And now we've had, what is it, between, I think around now, 30 Israelis murdered in 2022 in terror attacks. Enough is enough. Let's put people in positions who won't show weakness, who will show strength, who understand the Middle East, who understand the Arab Muslim mentality, and will act in our interests through strength. I mentioned the reform movement. On the other hand, Orthodox rabbis in America who make up the Coalition for Jewish Values uh, called out the U.S. administration for their double standard against Ben Gvir while continuing to use American taxpayer dollars to fund anti-Semitic extremists in the Palestinian Authority. All right, back to terror, unfortunately. Uh, we already talked about the deadly bombing this week in Jerusalem. Um, unfortunately, it looks like the whole idea of bombing is, is in fact, back in play. Uh, the Israeli security agency Shin Bet, reported here by JNS, announced on Thursday that it had foiled a bus bombing plot. The would-be bomber, a Gazan with a work permit in Israel, had intended to detonate an explosive device aboard a bus in southern Israel. Suspect was identified, charged. Again, this is all from, he was arrested in October, and it just became public uh, this week. Um, according to the investigation, the terrorist was recruited by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, received training in handling explosives from a Gazan bomb-making expert. So here you have this guy. I don't even want to mention his name. Um, an Arab from Gaza 
who had a permit to work in Israel. Okay, and after he started coming into Israel for work, he started collecting ingredients for explosives. And you have around 17,000 Arabs in Gaza who have work permits to enter Israel on a daily basis. So here, is, here Israel is, taking chances, trying to improve the lives of the residents of Gaza by allowing them into pre-1967 pre Israel to make a living. And what does this guy do? He uses his work permit to plan a terror attack. What happened two weeks ago in Ariel? An Arab with a work permit to enter the Ariel Industrial Zone decided to murder Israelis. Instead of going to work, three people were murdered. Three people were killed. If you recall, in 2017, two sisters tried to smuggle explosives into Israel from Gaza using tubes labeled labeled for medication, taking advantage of an entry permit issued for one of them to seek cancer treatment. One of these two sisters had cancer. Israel was treating her. And what was the thank you? She was going to blow up, whether it was a bus or the hospital or who knows what, she was going to blow something up in Israel. That was the reward Israel was going to get for allowing her to come into a hospital. I believe it was in Beersheba to be treated for cancer. She and her sister were going to blow things up in Israel. So the question is, should Israel take the risk? And I say, no, I don't think Israel should be willing to take the risk. Again, taking advantage of Israel, allowing her to get cancer treatment or for this guy to work. Maybe Egypt, which also shares a border with Gaza, <clears throat> excuse me, should step up and give people the ability to come in and work. They won't try to blow up the Egyptians. So why should Israel take more and more chances? Thank God, again, thank God these attacks were thwarted, but what about the future? And that's really our problem. The whole concept of risks for peace. Risks for peace are never worth it. They always end up biting us in the rear end. Since Oslo, every risk for peace has ended in Jewish blood flowing in the streets. I say no more risks for peace. It's just not worth it. I'm sorry. Hamas is in control in Gaza. Let them give jobs. Let them give opportunities. I mean, they're not interested in giving people opportunities and jobs. Maybe one day the people will wake up and overthrow Hamas in Gaza. But until then, are we willing to take the risk? And it seems like, yes, we are. We are willing with 17,000 permits. We are willing to take the risk. And is that really the moral high ground to get brownie points? I mean, the international community rips on Israel anyway, even though Israel hands out all of these work permits. And here this guy was caught. He was going to try to blow up a bus in Southern Israel. I say no risks for phony peace. It's just not worth it. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg back in the news. Another JNS article. Television personality Whoopi Goldberg once again under fire. I saw the video clip following comments in which she appeared to question the categorization. Categor well, I can't say that word. Yeah, the throat is failing on me. Categorization of the Taliban and Hamas as terrorist organization. Last Tuesday on The View. When one of the show's hosts, other hosts, Sarah Haynes, noted how 
uh, Ilian Omar, Congresswoman Omar, has compared Israel to organized terrorist communities such as Hamas and the Taliban, Goldberg responded, depends on who you talk to. In other words, she is saying that Hamas and the Taliban, maybe they're not, maybe they're not terror organizations, and it really depends who you speak to. Even though the United States and many other countries have labeled Hamas and the Taliban as terror organizations, depends who you talk to, as if Goldberg is saying, Goldberg, not Jewish, by the way, Goldberg is saying, well, you know, maybe there's a point to Hamas. Maybe they are, you know, maybe she thinks they are so-called freedom fighters, launching rockets at Israeli population centers, hiding behind their own people, blowing up buses in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. The Taliban, of course, and what they've done, how many people have they murdered over the years and their repressive regime. No, not terrorists. Depends on who you talk to. She's, she's just sick. She is sick. If you remember earlier this year, Goldberg sparked a controversy when she denied the Nazis' racist motives on The View, saying the Holocaust isn't about race, it's about man's inhumanity to man. Whoopi Goldberg, folks. I mean, is she going to be suspended again? Uh, rep, uh, rep, reprimanded? I mean, I, I don't know what's going to be with Whoopi Goldberg. Time and time again, opening her mouth against the Jews, against Israel. I mean, I, I definitely think she should change her last name before anything else so that people don't get confused. But more of this anti-Semitism, including from uh, Kanye West and Kyrie Irving and all these others, it's just mainstream in the U.S. now. It's mainstream, this anti-Semitism. Um, Jewish Press reports. The IDF suspended soldiers who responded to relentless harassment by anarchists in Hebron. Five Givati, Givati Brigade fighters were suspended after uh, an incident on Friday in which they were caught on video beating one of these uh, leftist anarchists in Hebron, Hebron, Hebron. As usual... Um, this is the Jewish press. As usual, the video that's, that spread like wildfire, wildfire on the social networks omits the hours of harassment of the Gibati soldiers, but some of the less smoothly cut versions do include the scene just before the beating when the anarchists gang up on the soldiers. One of them who was detained escapes, and one other anarchist violently pushes the soldiers who finally had enough. Instead of backing his soldiers who are struck with the impossible task of behaving like those guards outside Buckingham Palace and not letting those aggressive militant anarchists get under his skin, under their skin, Lieutenant General Aviv Kochavi went all hellfire, and this is commentary from the Jewish press, in brimstone on his men and suspended them. One Givati soldier was suspended because he said into the Breaking the Silence camera, Ben Gvir will bring back order around here, referring to Itamar Ben Gvir future minister. He was baited by the cameraman to say what it was Ben Gvir would do to bring him, to bring order around, but he was smart enough to keep his ideas to himself. So in other words, this soldier was baited by a cameraman. Unfortunately, he fell for it because this, this is gold for the anti-Israel PR uh, propaganda machine on social media. They have, number one, a video of IDF soldiers <clears throat> allegedly beating, you know, they claim he's an innocent, you know, protester. 
And I didn't see the video before here, but according to the Jewish press, there was a before video in which these soldiers were being harassed and harassed and harassed and finally had enough. But the IDF decided to suspend them. And then you had another case of a cameraman baiting this soldier into saying what he wanted to hear, saying some positive things about Itamar Ben-Gvir. Saturday night, Ben-Gvir addressed the incident on TV, on the news. He called to check if the members of the extreme left did not provoke and harm the soldiers before the cameras started rolling or before that video was shown. So we'll see what happens here. I'm sure there's an investigation and we'll get to the truth of what happened, what caused these Givati soldiers to snap if they felt threatened, if they felt under attack. The video obviously does not look good for the soldiers, hence they were suspended. But let's see what the truth actually is in this case and what caused the Givati guys to snap. Two positive stories uh, before we end the show this week. Number one, the popular rock-slash-pop band Imagine Dragons will perform in Israel for the first time ever on August 29, 2023. The band announced on Friday the concert will be part of the Mercury World Tour, which celebrates the band's new albums, new album. Um, and they're playing in different other places throughout Europe, and they've included Israel on their tour Performance will take place in High Arcon Park in Tel Aviv. Unfortunately, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who were supposed to perform in 2023, canceled once again, citing schedule constraints. But Imagine Dragons, I hope it happens, August 29th in Tel Aviv. And finally, a reported by Israel 21C, and this again, uh, all you BDS anti-Israel haters, just turn off the radio now. Turn off your internet, turn off your SoundCloud, because you do not want to hear about this technology, which could save your life one day. But if you're true to your cause, your anti-Israel hate fest cause, you will not want to use this technology. The speech processing startup, Cordio Medical, announced its Heart-O app, sorry, Hero app, H-E-A-R, Hero. Oh, I like how they did that. Hero spelled H-E-A-R, capital O, successfully predicted 82% of first congestive heart failure cases in patients that took part in a study. Okay, this app predicted 82% of heart failure 18 days before the incident occurred. The study collected 460,000 voice samples Hence the name Hero, H-E-A-R-O, from 180 patients across 10 medical centers in Israel. The participants used the app at home and sent a voice sample once a day in different languages. The company reported an 82% success rate, noting that a third of the 18% misdiagnosis rate was related to sounds from other respiratory diseases. Congestive heart failure takes place when the heart doesn't properly pump blood which in turn can lead to fluid accumulation in the lungs. The HERO system detects that buildup in a person's speech, detects buildup in a person's speech, alerting a future heart failure. So here you have this new technology. Using voice samples, it can tell if your heart is going to fail 
18 days on average before your heart fails. This is, uh, this is unreal, folks. This is unreal technology. It can predict if you're going to have a heart attack, if your heart's going to fail based on, the, on your voice. This Cordio Medical Company in Israel. And this, uh, I'm sure this will be on the market soon. But you BDS anti-Israel haters, do not use the Hero app. Take the heart attack. Take the heart attack because that will show that you are a true BDS anti-Israel hater and you don't want to be a hypocrite. Take the heart attack. Don't use the app so you can go to all your parties with your friends and tell them how terrible Israel is and how you're boycotting this app, even if it costs you your life. All right. Take a stand, folks. If you're going to hit on Israel, go all the way and risk your life doing so. And that's going to do it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for the 28th of November, 2022, the 4th of Kislev, 5783. I want to thank Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything everything she does behind the scenes. Get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Go to my website, joshhaston.com. Be in touch. Let me know what you think of the show. There was actually a write-up on the show in this past Friday's Jerusalem Post magazine. They did a feature on podcasts in Israel. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have this show be featured. So thank you very much to Rivka Lambert-Adler and the J-Post magazine for writing up this program in the Friday magazine. That's going to do it for today from outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem on another glorious day here in the Jewish state of Israel. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Have a great week. Shalom, shalom from Jerusalem until please God next Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everybody. You're listening to the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world.